Well, this morning we are continuing in our series in the book of Galatians. Um, so let me, let, me, uh, let me read this, this, this passage today. Galatians chapter 3, if you have a Bible, uh, you can turn there. We're going to <clears throat> be going over verses 1 through 14. You can read the screen. You can look on your phone. However you want to do it, let's read God's word. It says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of, Jesus's, of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and counted him as and counted and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross... He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who hungs on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. So that we, who are are believers, might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. It's a lot of reading. You know, a few weeks ago, I told you the story of the tightrope, tightrope walker uh, named Blondin, right? The man who uh, crossed Niagara Falls and then came back, and then he said, you know, hey, how many of you guys believe that I can carry somebody across the falls with me on my back? And they were all like, yeah, and they were like, okay, who wants to come with me? And everyone was silent. And I told you guys about how then there was this one man out of the crowd that said, I'll, I'll do it. 
And that's a picture of them going across the falls. Now I want you to take that story, all right? I want you to take that story, and I want you now to imagine that it's about Blondin and the guy in his back. They're about halfway through crossing the falls. About halfway through, everything's going well. Blondin is is doing his thing. He's, He's keeping everybody safe. The man on the back is sitting there, and then all of a sudden, the man in the back says, you know what, Blondin, I'm done. Let me off. I got this. I can do this on my own. I don't need you anymore. That would be really, really dumb, right? Nobody would do that. First of all, Big old me wouldn't be on the guy's back in the first place, right? But even if I had, I'm sure that I would be like, you know, like clutching him as hard as I could. There's no way I'm getting off. Now, supposing that happened, would that be sensible? Would this guy have gone insane? How did he suppose that he could get across by himself? Now listen, this is exactly the reaction that Paul has when he has heard that his beloved Galatians, the church that he started in Galatia, are now thinking of being circumcised and uh, adhering to the Jewish customs and practices of the old law. He's like, what are you doing? You've gone halfway across the falls. Now you're just going to abandon everything that's gotten you there, and you're just going to say, you know what? We're going to do it a different way now. We're going to do it on our own. We're going to get off what we've been doing and working, and we're going to do something exactly opposite. And Paul asks, the N.T. Wright, the theologian, asked, Who has cast a spell on them? Are they out of their minds? Twice he calls them foolish or witless. They seem to have lost the power to think straight. Having begun in the Spirit, do they think that they can continue in the flesh? Having begun with faith, do they think they can continue with the works of the Jewish law or the Torah? To understand why this is so obviously nonsense to Paul we need to remind ourselves what was at stake. He was concerned above all about who the Galatians thought they were. Were they part of the Messiah, the Jesus family? The people who belonged to the new age, which had begun with Jesus' death and his resurrection? Or or were they trying to become part of the physical family of Israel, joining by circumcision, the people of God defined by ethnic origin, people that tried and tried and failed to follow the hundreds of laws? Paul repeats in the first verse the point made at the end of of chapter 2. Once Jesus, the Messiah, had been portrayed before them as crucified, how could they ever think that the membership in the physical family of Israel was an option? 
The word portrayed may mean that he actually drew a large picture for them in his letter of Jesus hanging on the cross. Listen, here's why we don't tell God halfway through the tightrope journey that we, want, and we now want to get off his back and do it alone. First of all, because like Blondin, who could do better? Who, who can do better than God? Can you? I can't. Who can carry us better than Jesus? Who is more trustworthy than our loving Father, our Creator? Who? Paul gives in this passage two very solid initial reasons why the Galatians and why we shouldn't get off and try to walk the tightrope by ourselves. This is the first time he has mentioned either, and both are going to be very important as the letter of, to Galatia proceeds. This morning's passage fittingly talks about one of the great fathers of the Bible. Father? Abraham had many sons, many sons had father. You guys know the song, right? One of the great fathers of the Bible. I've heard he had many sons. Abraham was one of the pillars of the Old Testament, one of the fathers of the faith. So quickly, let's recap the story. If you want to, if you want to find this story and read it for yourselves, it starts in Genesis chapter 12. God calls Abram and tells him to leave his family and his lands and that he would go to a place where God would show him. But God wasn't going to tell him yet. If he were to believe God, to put his faith in Yahweh, that God would bless him and would make him into a great nation, that he would be blessed, his descendants would be blessed, that his nation would bless all of the world through his people. God was setting up the special ones, the set-apart ones, his special family that was to be set apart from the world, all with the mission of winning the world to God, to become God's special people. You guys all know the Great Commission, right? It's in the book of Matthew, right? And Jesus told his disciples, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. We call that the Great Commission. Does anybody remember this? Okay. But it's not the first, it wasn't the first Great Commission. You know the first Great Commission was all the way back in Genesis? Where this is what God told Abraham. You, you, will be a great father to my nation. And all of the world will be blessed through you and your people and my family. And we together are going to bless the whole world and win them all to me. Does that sound like a great commission? It was. You see, from the very beginning, this is Genesis is the very first book of the Bible, right? From the very beginning, God had in mind that he was wanting to win people, his 
people, win his creation back to him to make it so that there would be a way that people could be with the Heavenly Father forever. And so he gives them this great commission. And you know what happened in the, from the book of Genesis to the end of the Old Testament? Well, here's what happened. They took God's law, his ten laws, made it into 600 plus laws, right? So they did that. They made, every, they made a mess of everything. And then what they did was they, they it, let's, let's pretend that this room is the nation of Israel, right? They took padlocks to the doors and said, nobody's getting in here. We have to protect us. Does that sound like the Great Commission to you? I don't think so. You see, the nation of Israel took something that God had intended to bless the entire world with, to win the entire world with, and made it exclusionary, and made it unattainable even for the ones that were already in the club. And it is that that all of these Galatians are trying to revert back to when they've been shown a better way. And that better way is Jesus. Does that make sense to anybody? Last week we talked about when we believe in Jesus that we get everything. We get relationship. We get a relationship with God the Father. We get a relationship with Jesus. We get trust. We get a God and a Father that we can trust in and that we can rely on and that we can love. And you know what we also get? We get grace. A God that is forgiving and loving and always wants to shower His love and affection on us. So you have that over here, or you have the way of the law and the rules and and, and the rest of it over here. And Paul is saying, you guys had this awesome thing, and now you're trying to go back over here this way that doesn't work, which is why Jesus came in the first place. This morning, I'm going to give you Paul's reasons to live by faith. Number one. God has given his spirit. Galatians 3.2, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the spirit because you believed the message you heard through Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Listen, I'm a big believer in rules. More now than, I, more now than I'm a parent of a six-year-old and in about two weeks a four-year-old. You guys know this, though. Rules without relationship, rules without relationship are meaningless. They are a drudgery to follow. They are a cause for resentment, for grumbling, for disdain. Honestly, even with a relationship, they can still be those things. However, hopefully, my kids know that Heather and I want what is best for them. 
We want to be good parents. I want to be a good father. So we try and explain why there are rules, why there are consequences, and hopefully why sometimes that we extend them grace, even when they've messed up. We want them to understand that they are always forgiven. They are always loved. And we want what is best for them. And without our relationship, none of that is communicated. In the same way, God has given us His Spirit. When we have put our faith in Jesus, we received the living, active Spirit of God in our lives. And that Spirit has taken up residence in us, in our hearts, in our spirits. God has taken up residence in us. It is God in us. He talks with us. He guides us. He comforts us. He corrects us. Does that sound like a relationship to you? It does to me. Doesn't that sound better than a list of rules to mindlessly follow? Paul says, listen, your relationship, his spirit within you is what has got you here. Don't now, halfway through, demand to get off his back to try and walk the tightrope by yourself. God's way is better. The way of Jesus is always better. Having His Spirit to guide us is way better than 600-some laws to follow. Oh, you foolish Galatians. Let's not be tricked, Bowen Christian Church. Faith is what matters, not works. Just like with my kids, we follow the rules because of our relationship with God our Father. Number two, Paul's reasons to live by faith is because they are already the true children of Abraham. So follow the rationale of these Judaizers, these false teachers that were teaching the people of Galatia, that were leading them astray. These people had come in, and they were saying they needed to become Jews, plus follow the ways of Jesus. They were saying that they needed to become the people of Abraham, to join Abraham's family, because it was through becoming part of that nation of Israel that they were the true children of God. Well, that almost sounds reasonable, doesn't it? Until you really start to think about it. Paul blows his thinking away in Galatians 3.6. It says, in the same way Abraham believed God, God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the Scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in His sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when He said, All nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. In your Bibles there, you will see several footnotes in this passage of Scripture. If you have a Bible or on your phone, it, you'll see the, there's, there's several little like letters within this passage of Scripture. A, B, C, D, anyway. And the reason why this is is because Paul is using the story of Abraham. He's qu- quoting the book of Genesis to counter all of these arguments that all these false teachers have brought up. 
one of the key verses he quotes is Genesis 15.6. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Because of his faith. Notice what the Lord saw in Abraham that made him the right man, the right father for the job. Was it the things he did? No. Was it the rituals? No. It wasn't any of that. It was Abram's faith. It was Abram's relationship. Notice Genesis twenty-two eighteen. It says, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Because of Abraham's relationship, he obeyed God, which is what made him the right man to be the father of God's nation. But there are new rules when Jesus came. Jesus came to fulfill the nation of Israel. He came to fulfill the promise of Genesis twenty-two eighteen. He is the descendant that would bless all of the nations on earth. The Galatians were already the true children of Abraham because of their faith in Jesus. There was nothing else they needed. And that same message, church, that same message is true for you and for me. All we need is Jesus. That's it. We need to have a relationship with Jesus. Number three, quickly, there could be no other way. Galatians 3.10, but those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in the book, God's book of the law. Again, Paul is quoting the Old Testament here. He is pointing out that even the Old Testament itself understands that the law is lacking. That the law is not completely fulfilled. It is not completely fulfilling. The Old Testament recognized that all of us would be cursed because it is impossible to obey the law. Which is why there were yearly sacrifices. Why there were ways to atone for one's sins because it was impossible to keep the laws. It was a curse. The Old Testament was looking forward to the future when there would be a descendant of Abraham that would bless the world. All of the world. That would take upon himself the curse of all mankind. Listen to Galatians 3.13-14 again. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on the tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Paul points out that even within the first five books of the Bible, that already the Bible was talking about who? Jesus. The Bible was already pointing toward Jesus. Jesus took our curse. The sinless, perfect Lamb became cursed for us for the Galatians, for you, for me. There could be no other way. There could be none. Genesis talked about about it. Exodus foreshadowed it. Leviticus mirrored it. 
Deuteronomy foretold it. There was a Messiah coming. A descendant of the father Abraham. One that would take the curse of all of us upon himself. There would be and there could be no other way. So my question this morning for all of us is, have you began your relationship yet? Have you began your relationship with Him? Have you trusted Him? Have you received His grace paid for us at the cross? There can be no other way. If you believe, if you put your faith in Him, we become part of the family of Father Abraham. We become His sons and His daughters. But here's what is even more important than that. We become sons and daughters of the greatest father ever. We become children of God. We become part of his family. We get the gift of his spirit in us. And we get to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. We get Jesus. Tim Keller I was reading this week, Tim Geller said that, uh, said this, if you don't live for Jesus, you will live for something else. Will those things be enough? Will they die for you? Fathers, we have a big job. The way that you father, the way that you parent, the relationship that you have with your children, the things that you do in front of your children's eyes, those are the way your kids will see God. The way that you are as a father is how your kids will see God. It will directly affect their thoughts about who God is and about whether or not He is good or He's not. Is that a big responsibility? You betcha. So my question this morning is, how are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? Are you a good father? And I guess what I mean is, are you a father that expresses and models and shows with your life how important it is For you and for your family to love Jesus. It directly affects how your kids view God. If you don't have a great relationship with your kids, or you had modeled for you a very bad relationship with your kids, be the change that you want to see 
in your kids' lives. Stop the cycle. Be a good father. And the way that you be a good father is by loving Jesus. Showing your children that that is the most important thing they can do. Have a good relationship with your Heavenly Father and have a good relationship with your children. And when someday, when people speak of you, it won't be, oh, they always gave me the best things or they didn't give me enough or this, this, or that. What they will say is, that man showed me what was really important in life. And his name is Jesus.